0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. We uh, have been having a really good time on this show, and we have just surpassed episode number 250, and we are quickly crossing into a half million downloads since I started this show. And while that's not a spectacular number for 250 shows, uh, it is certainly a milestone that I'm really proud of, and I really appreciate how everybody who is part of this little community gets involved. So I always like to start with... Sort of uh, a little review of one of the reviews that are left on iTunes, and this one is from Kawame, and his name on iTunes is KC one two three four five exclamation point exclamation point, Uh, and he says, "Thank you for bringing this information to the masses. As an entrepreneur, this is exactly the podcast I'm looking for. Keep up the great work." Well, Kawame, you keep up the great work of being part of the listening community, because as I say every time, if it wasn't for the audience. We wouldn't have a show, and I try every time to bring very interesting interviews, and so today should be no different. Today, I think we're going to have some fun. Today is somebody who I saw speak at South by Southwest. He was leading a panel – On storytelling, and if you listen to this show regularly, you know I earn my living as a professional speaker, and therefore I am a professional storyteller. Every week, I am I am taking some points of content and trying to tie them to stories because it is through story that people actually remember things. You know, man didn't sit around the campfire two thousand years ago and pass out data charts or pie charts or uh, spreadsheets. Instead, they educated the next generation of warriors and farmers and people who were raising the children. They educated them by sharing stories, and story is really important. So our guest today is Don Osman. Now, that name may ring a bell to you. It may, 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 might make you say, wait a minute, Don Osman, why does that name sound familiar? Well, if you add a little N-Y to that – you would get Donny Osman, and Don is actually the son of the famous Donny Osman. and he was actually on this panel with his father at South by Southwest, and they did a really good job of sort of bantering back and forth. And just listening to the way he dealt with everybody on the panel, I thought, you know what, Don would be a really good guest for this show. And in addition, he fits right in with the demographic of what we kind of bring on here. He's a small business owner. He's a marketing professional. He's a speaker. He's a writer. And he focuses on authentic marketing to help business businesses develop sound branding strategies. He wants you to be able to tell your story so that people can hire you, and that's what it's all about. He also, coincidentally, lives in Austin, Texas with his wife Jessica and his two – I love this in his bio – his two tiny storytellers in training, his two sons, and, and they're little. They're like four and two years old, so he is in the thick of raising a family, of growing a business, so he is the perfect guest for cool things entrepreneurs do. Hey, Don, welcome to the show.
1: Wow, Tom, <laughs> that has to be the best introduction I have ever received. Ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much. Wow, I'm,
0: I'm I'm flattered that you said that. But it's you know it's I was reading your bio and it's like this guy does some cool things. I mean, obviously you grew up in a famous family, and and I'll I'll share the listeners this. When I first asked Don to be on the show, I actually sent him a separate email and said, look. I'm not really chasing you because you come from a famous family. So, you know, is it okay that we mention that? And he said, it's really hard to say, hey, here's Don Osmond without bringing it up. So he gave me permission to talk about that.
1: I did. Yes. And I appreciate that. You know, if you don't at least respect where you've come from, you don't have any idea where you're going to be going anyway. So it's just, uh, I, I embrace it. I mean, people ask me all the time, hey, what's it like to be the son of uh, Donnie Osmond? And I go, I have no idea. Because I, I I don't know how to relate it to anything else, and for me, it's just oh, that was normal. Well, you know, I, you know home I, from work, his, his work just happened to be a stage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sort of the right age to be sort of right in between, sort of having. It was too young to sort of be a fan of, like, your uncles and all that, but just old enough when your dad and your aunt had the TV show. That was one of the earliest TV shows I remember was That's the Donnie cool. and Marie show. My mom would always watch it. So I have memories of that and sort of the little comedy goofball stuff that they did did on that. And then, of course, we see your aunt on television. What is it, 142 times a day if you're watching commercials? <laughs> (laughs)
1: Yeah, if you're watching, uh, like, the the Oprah Network or something, (laughs) I I don't know, she's on QVC, she's doing all sorts of fun stuff.
0: Well, and she she does the Nutrisystem commercial. That's right, the
1: Nutrisystem one as well, that's right, yeah. And and it's, it's
0: like, always, always on, and I told my wife, I go, hey, the commercial came on, I go, hey, you see her? And she goes, uh, Marie Osmond, and I go, yeah, I go, I'm interviewing her nephew today.
1: (laughs) That's cool. Hey, you know, you said something right there at the beginning about – caveman days where uh, years, years, years ago, we don't even know how long it's been um, whether well, I mean, during that South by panel which you also mentioned, we said that this marketing strategy of of telling stories is at least 15,000 years old uh, <laughs> that could be debated by scientists and all sorts of people bottom line is, is it's been thousands of years right? Yeah um, and you're absolutely right, we didn't <laughs> we didn't sit around the campfire per se and talk data and say, Well, I know that there are so many buffalo down over here, so that <laughs> if we take this strategy and approach it from this angle and we go this way, we could probably get one. That's right. It was tomorrow. it was storytelling of how you yeah, do it. Mean, telling stories. That's what that's where it all comes from. It's like, hey, you know what? I I know that this happened and this is going on and it was just it, it drives emotion. Well, and you so- said something there as well with regards to the fact that uh, stories are memorable. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to put together this panel for South by Southwest with, uh, not just my father, who's been an entertainer for more than 50 years, but also I coupled it with a neuroscientist who's got years of experience experiences training, um, business leaders and helping them understand the science of the mind as well as, um, uh, the CMO lead for Microsoft, which is obviously a respected name in in business as well.
0: Yeah, I think we've it's, I think we've heard at Microsoft.
1: I, small company, right? Yeah, <laughs> <A> little company. <laughs> yeah, so I I wanted to be able to combine all three of these and really highlight what I or at least the way that I approach marketing. In that we need to get back to this uh, this topic of being able to tell stories.
0: Well, and it's interesting. interesting It's interesting because you grew up in a very large family, and, and I did as well. And if you mm-hmm. were going to survive in a large family and be heard, you had to be able to tell a story. People ask me how I became a professional speaker. I said, it's growing up in a big Irish Catholic family. If you couldn't tell a story, you wouldn't be heard.
1: <laughs> well, either that or scream really loud, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and, exactly And blame your older brothers or younger, whatever. <laughs> 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 yeah, but no, I mean, it, it's this whole idea that... When we really take a look at it, we really understand the way our minds work and we approach uh, our, our branding, our messaging, our marketing per se from the mindset of I, I want to tell not only just a compelling story because that can actually be a little bit of uh, self-aggrandizing, self-promotion, but helping our customers or our clients, the people and the, the audiences that we serve to be able to take the stories that we tell and internalize them for themselves. We didn't actually get to dive as deep as I really wanted to during that panel. I mean, we covered a lot of different things and including the way the mind works and the neuroscience of it, of that and, and how telling a story is, can, can drive emotions because of all the different chemicals that are fired off and things like that. And the, uh, yeah, the neuroscience behind it, I'm not even going to pretend to know, <laughs> but um I mean, I do from an from an intrinsic standpoint for marketing, but as a scientist, that's why I brought Shante on board is to say, hey, explain to us from a scientific aspect why this is important. And I think coupling the four of us during that panel really helped to drive home the idea that, yeah, you know, we talk about marketing and we talk about ROI and we have to understand that we're getting a return on the investment. Yeah, there's all these metrics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the heart of the matter of marketing, marketing is an art, and that art is being able to articulate a story that is meaningful, drives emotion, creates an intrinsic call to action, and allows our customers and our our consumers and clients to interact with that and create their own experiences
0: well, and you did a really good job with that panel because you did pull together both. You know, your dad. I mean, to uh, to t- to be a professional singer is to really be a storyteller, and he did a yeah. re- he did a really good job of talking about how he sets up a song and reminds people of where they were in 1973 or whatever it would have been mm-hmm. when yeah. he when he well, sang what's those. Funny songs.
1: about that is when he told this story. When he told the story of how he sets up uh, a song, he he literally actually told the story to everybody. And I, you were there, you saw that happen. And as soon as he finished, I could tell. I mean, I, I saw it happen in the audience. That's why I stopped everybody. And I said, okay, now hold on a second. I said, dad, do you, do you realize what you just did? You already <laughs> took everybody into that story, even though you were explaining the story, but you helped us experience the process, why we do it. And they were all engaged. I said, you now have an extra 600, 700 fans that want to come check out your show. <laughs> well, he,
0: he definitely did a, he did an interesting thing. It was a little meta. He told a story about telling a story. So that was very kind of interesting. The way yeah, he it yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but that was so neat about it. Um, but it was also an amazing aha experience because I saw the light go off well and and it was uh, it was firmly. funny
0: it was funny because when I became a professional speaker, somebody told me you know you're a good storyteller and you have to be able to weave your content and your stories together if you're going to be a great keynoter and they said the best medium to learn storytelling was country music. And although and although I live in Texas, I grew up in Southern California, and, you know, I mean, country music was like, oh my God, you can't listen to country music. That's that's like something they do in Texas. Now, mm-hmm. I've been here 25 years, and so when I started my speaking career a decade ago, I started listening to country music. And it's amazing in just like a three-minute song how, you know, they can break up with their girlfriend, their dog can die, their <laughs> crops can all fall down, and then it can all get better, and the, and the world is shiny again. Well, you know the, you know how
1: the joke goes, Tom. You know what you get when you play country song backwards. No, what? Your, your, dog, your dog comes back to your life, your wife returns <laughs> to you and your home is back, back all together. All, your, your life's perfect once again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. So Don, tell everybody a little bit about sort of how you became an entrepreneur. What, what led you to starting Ozcom and, and, and sort of what is Ozcom all about?
1: Yeah, so um, I obviously come from a, a family business, that I actually chose not to get into, and I, I know there are a lot of people out there that have experienced this.
0: Are you the one who can't sing?
1: Uh, I, I only sing in the shower and in the car. That's about it.
0: The one, the one Osman in three generations who can't sing. We've got him here on cool <laughs> well, things not, entrepreneurs do. Not,
1: not, not necessarily. I mean, there are at least ten thousand Osmonds this generation, so <laughs> there's got to be another right. one somewhere. <laughs> no, but you know, we uh, there's a lot of us that that come from a multi-generational uh, family business or there is a family business that they're associated with and to try to find yourself as to where your place actually exists. Sometimes you go, well, that's not really the route I want to go. I mean, I was asked countless times growing up. I actually wrote an article about this on LinkedIn about why I got into marketing. And cause I was asked all the time, Hey, you're going to grow up to be like your dad. I was never asked, Hey, what are you going to grow up? What are you going to do when you grow up? I was gonna, I was asked, are you going to be like your dad when you grow up? I mean, I have his name. I'm. I got the whole thing. I am. Yeah, a
0: and and, he, and you do look like him too. I saw the two of you on stage together. It's not like he can deny you.
1: <laughs> Funny enough, Getty actually took pictures of us and you put us side by side, and we look like we're tw- like we're twins. Yeah, you did. We even <laughs> decide to wear the same thing that day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, it's embarrassing. No, so you know I. I knew I didn't want to go into it even though I took the opportunity I did perform at one time I actually performed in front of uh probably 10 to 15,000 people in in England during my dad's concert that was cool and exciting but I I thought you know this isn't really my life but what I did learn is I gleaned a lot from uh watching my family how they navigated the media and so when I went to school I didn't know what I really wanted to be I mean I I Changed my major five times. Finally, rested on public relations. And I thought, you know what? I know how the media works. I'm going to change the world. (laughs) I'm going to make sure they say the right things. So I started going down that path. And then uh, just a few years ago, I I went back to school and finished uh, my master's degree, got an MBA. And I combined everything, all my experience uh, growing up in, in the entertainment world, uh, watching the, the media and how they work, uh, my professional career as a public relations professional, uh, and then culminating with my MBA. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take all this together and really develop a, a, a company that is focused on telling the authentic story. Because here's the bottom line. And and it does kind of relate to my family actually. My grandfather, uh, George Osmond, who he's the one that really started this whole big mess, right, with the Osmond family. He uh, he uh, served in the military and was uh, part of the Army Air Corps Aviation Battalion and helped build one of the largest aerodromes out in uh, England. And during that time, it was a very rough time for him. He made a decision. To always be, uh, always be genuine, always be authentic, always be who he was. Because during war, it, sometimes it's very easy to become this calloused individual. At least from what I've heard. I don't know. I've never been at the other end of a gun, um, and uh, and he decided to do this, and it helped him get through those hard times. And then when he um, got home, got married, started raising his family and got into the entertainment world. He told his children the same thing. He said, look, you're going to be tempted. People are going to encourage you to do things that you don't want to do. Uh, there's an opportunity there to always get celebrity. There's an opportunity for fame and, and notoriety. But if you're not authentic, if you're not your your true self, you'll be a flash in the pan. You'll get a high real quick, but it will not last forever and it will destroy you Uh for the rest of your life, and that that story rang true to not only my father and his brothers and Marie, but also to me. And I've I've come to realize the same thing, especially as I work with uh, brands in the in the technology world and in the B two B world. That there, it's very easy to become a meme. It's very easy to go viral. It's very easy to hit a million, two million, five million followers. But what is difficult is being able to transcend that and be able to stay, have a stay in power year after year. And the only way to do that is to be authentic. And I think my father actually mentioned this quite nicely during the South by uh, event, which was, uh, you want to talk about stay in power. I mean, in a world that is so fraught with ups and downs and the undulations of craziness, that would be the entertainment world. And he's been in it for five decades.
0: Hmm. Right. So you know what? What's really interesting to me on a personal note is you talk about your grandfather. That generation, I, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that, that they were taught and they believe, and it was more important to have that integrity than to have that yeah. fame or that flash of, of pan. And and today we live in a world where everybody's trying to go viral and it, you know to do whatever it takes. But the most interesting part to me personally was so there's a missing generation for me. So my father would be 103 years old this year. Uh, If he was still alive, he passed away three years ago, just shy of his 100th birthday. And he actually served in the Army Air Corps in England during the Second World War. No way. So, yeah. And then he was he was sort of like a supply chain, you know, logistics guy and spent three years during the World War Two in England in the Army Air Corps. And so I just sort of got the chills thinking, you know, my dad. Oh, my goodness. There's a
1: good chance that those two probably crossed paths.
0: And my dad never would have been the type because of his own integrity. Like when we would be watching, you know, the Donnie and Marie show, my dad never would have said, even if he knew, I mean, he probably wouldn't have remembered, but to mm-hmm. go, oh, I served with their dad. He, my dad would have never like told anybody that. He would have just sat and watched, you know, the Osmond brothers and been like, oh, nice.
1: That is, is it, that's too cool. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah that so gives that's my chills. Yeah.
0: It's kind of, it's, it's, it's a small, it's a small, it's a small, small world on that. So what do you, <laughs> so what do you love about this world you've created of, of being an entrepreneur now that you, you got your MBA, you started your own business. Cause you worked for some other people. What, what, how do you feel now that you run your own business? What do you love about it? Uh, what I love is what I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a common answer for all of
1: us. <laughs> you know, that. uh, the, I, I took a few classes in entrepreneurialism, um, and one of the things they don't ever really teach you, or at least if they do, they don't they don't drill it hard enough, is how difficult it really is, uh, especially when you start it off. I mean, you play every single role. You are the marketer, the salesperson, the operations, the CEO. You you the, are the bookkeeper. That person. But I, uh, try to get rid of that one as quickly as possible. I mean,
0: it took me eight years. I just hired a full time book. Well, not full time, but I mean, I just hired a bookkeeper to do everything every month. I'm tired of it.
1: Oh, there's a special person now. There's a special soul that can manage those kinds of things. I'm not one of them. But yeah, no, it. Um, I I really enjoy it more than anything. I enjoy uh, working with clients who are passionate about their businesses, and I like seeing them succeed. Um, that's that's another one of the reasons why I didn't go into the entertainment world is because I actually prefer being on the other side of the camera rather than in the front. I like watching other people taking the credit. I like watching them becoming successful. And as a marketer, especially for the companies that I work with, it's fun to see them uh, land a really cool uh, either – A piece in the in a newspaper or well newspaper we're all online here now let's talk about that right (laughs) or something amazing happens for them on social media I love seeing that happen because they get so excited about it and those that are passionate about their businesses I I enjoy that.
0: Yeah, no, that that's that's very true. So what advice do you have then for someone who's listening who says, you know, I I want to start my own thing. I want I want to I'm the behind the cameras guy who want to make other people succeed. How do how do they get started? What do, what would you tell someone to do who wants to start their own venture?
1: Pray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what that's, would that's I say pro- to say That's probably one of the more true answers I've ever gotten on this show.
1: Hey, I told you I go for authenticity here. Okay, I'm not gonna. No. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I would say if you have so if you want to start a business, make sure you're passionate about it because the uh, the honeymoon phase wears off real quickly, and the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and being in your own business are extreme and if you're not passionate about it when those lows come and i say when not if but when those lows come it's the only thing that gets you through it's the only thing that you can say you know what i'm doing this for a purpose i feel driven there's a i have a calling part of this you know some people call it a spiritual experience or whatnot but whatever it is you got to have a purpose and you got to feel passionate about it
0: so I actually have some more questions for you before I'm going to let you go. However, the first thing I have to do is I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, the right training, and the guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Don Osman. Hey, if you want to say, well, of course, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you listening do want to start a podcast of your own, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things. And they've got a discount offer for the listeners of this show. And I'll tell you, the other thing they'll do is they'll answer questions, even if you're not ready to sign up, you know, contact them, they'll get on the phone with you. And they'll tell you the ups and downs of this crazy world. I mean, before I started cool things entrepreneurs do, I was scared to death of like, how do I produce the show? How do I edit it? I mean, if, you know, Don gives a stupid answer, and I have to make him repeat it. How do I cut that out? Not that Don would. Have I was going to say,
1: have I done that yet? Not <laughs> yet.
0: No, there's no editing on this episode. Okay, so, but but you know, how do I do that? Well, they take care of all of that, so they are a great partner that I have worked with now for two and a half years, and so I can't say enough great things about them. And I appreciate them sponsoring my show because it just makes my life better. So, Don, how important are other people if you're building a, a company? How important is networking?
1: You know, that's a great question. Um, I have, I've gone the gamut of different types of networking events, different types of networking groups. Um, and I think the bottom line with networking is you have to provide value to others before you can expect any value coming from, coming from them. If you reach across the table, so to speak and say, I want to help you out, uh, eventually it it all comes around. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in karma and, and and helping others in the way that you would prefer you would like to be helped out. Yeah. So in terms of networking, as as long as you look at it from an external perspective rather than internal perspective, I think it's extremely helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell people that you know when you go into a networking event, don't think, "Wow, who could I meet? Who could help me? Or who I who could hire me?" Go in thinking, "Who are two or three people that I could connect with other people so that they do business together and make billions of dollars?"
1: Well, you know what about that? Uh, early in my career, I worked for a company called Corporate Alliance. Uh, they're based out of uh, Utah, and they had a focus. I don't know if they're even still around or not. I haven't. Kept in touch with these guys as best as I probably should, but they had a focus on, on on networking in the same way. In that, it was all about being outward, helping other people out, and understanding this value. Um, funny enough, I actually met a guy here in Texas who read the book that was written by one of the co-founders of uh, Corporate Alliance, and he's like, "Have you read this book? This is amazing because it's all about." making sure that you're giving to your network and helping your network and i said i know that guy he's like no way i gotta meet this guy (laughs)
0: like
1: yeah i worked for him for like a couple years when i was 22 23 years old (laughs) that's awesome
0: that's awesome so i call the cool the show cool things entrepreneurs do what's the coolest thing you're doing with Ozcom right now
1: one of the coolest things i'm doing with Ozcom is can i brag about a client Uh, please brag away (laughs) So I'm working with a, a company uh, also based here in Austin, Texas, called Flying Eyes. and uh, they they make sunglasses, which sounds really boring, to be honest. I mean, there's I don't know how many hundreds of different types of brands of sunglasses. But speaking of telling stories and speaking of all this other kind of stuff that we're talking about, this guy, uh, Dean Syracusa, he's the founder of Flying Eyes. Um, he designed a pair of glasses. That are specific for pilots in that when you're wearing these noise canceling headphones, you can get these pressure headaches. If you've got the the big cupped headphones that go over the tops of your ears and you're wearing your sunglasses, these glasses are about a millimeter thin on the temples. More, more importantly, you can bend these temples like you're going to snap them in half and they won't break. And it's the coolest technology that he's using right now. And I think what he's doing with within the the, the aviation industry and actually within the motorcycle industry is just awesome. Awesome technology. So
0: so that's cool. But of course that leads us to the next question, which is who's another entrepreneur that you think is doing something cool? You already used that question by bragging on your client. <laughs> No,
1: I'm just kidding. Another entrepreneur that I think is doing something cool?
0: Well, yeah, I usually ask people what they're doing that's cool, and then I ask them the next question, who's someone else who's doing something cool? But you sort of merged those questions
1: together. I Yeah, I suppose I did. Wow, oh my goodness. It's totally cool. Um, let me see here. You know, I just chatted with a gentleman earlier today who's in marketing, and uh, he's got this idea of basically flipping the agency world, the marketing agency world on its head. Because there are so many um, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and even freelancers in the marketing realm, there's all these different different associations, there's these different meetups and things like that, but he really wants to help uh, create a a collaborative space where these individuals can come together, work on projects that will... um, Appear as though they're as strong as a, a large agency, but still allow the autonomy that a lot of creatives actually prefer.
0: See, that's the type of stuff that's really cool. Because being a solopreneur, you know, I, I I'm just me. It would be great to be able to collaborate on some of the things that I do with other people and, and be able to do it seamlessly.
1: That's that's awesome. Well, it goes back to the point that you were saying. You know how important are other people, especially when you get started in your business. There's a trend right now about the whole idea about being a solopreneur. Being, and and doing things all on your own, when when the fact of the matter is, is, oh, we can't. <laughs> um, if we can embrace this idea of interdependency to where we say, I know my core strengths, I know exactly what I'm really good at, but I need others to assist me in the various that I, I may know a little bit about, then you become that much more of a stronger force for the different types of kinds of things that you want to do. I mean, in and of itself, that's kind of the whole ideas to why businesses got started to begin with. Hey, you do this really well. You do bookkeeping really well. You do operations really well. Let's get together and form a company. Well, because there are challenges in, in having a large company and, and people are constantly talking about being lean and making sure that you're providing the best value for the buck and everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got all these independents and solopreneurs that are saying, well, we can do this and we can do this, but their challenges is that they can't do everything. So what is that happy medium? And this guy kind of looks at it as a there's a there's an interdependency that that uh, is probably stronger than either one of those methods. Yeah,
0: it makes sense to me. It's the story of my life. I've been working for myself. I just hit on April first. Which is actually when we're recording this. A couple of days from now, by the time this airs, it'll be like two weeks ago. April 1st was my eight-year anniversary of totally working for myself. I got laid off on April 1st, 2009, and no, the irony of being oh, laid off goodness. on <laughs> April 1st has never been lost on me.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say,
0: yeah, was, you know, surprise, <laughs> you know, I kept thinking, was that a joke, you know? But no, yeah, jokes on you, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but I called my wife and said, you know, I've I've always wanted to be a speaker. There are no marketing jobs on the planet in. April of two thousand nine that are available. So I'm just going to start my own business and try and be a speaker and a consultant and maybe do some coaching. And I think she thought, oh my god, you know, it's over. We're going to lose the house, and you know, <laughs> it wasn't easy. The, the next three years, we hemorrhaged cash and all this stuff. But somewhere along the line, it turned around, and I've now been working for myself for eight years. And and I got to say, I, I I'm happy that that I've been doing that. But it's also being that solo person. It's different having done it for so long. I sort of miss the constant collaboration of being part of, you know, a a team.
1: Yeah. Well, and you hit on something that's really important and it's finding that happiness. It's being able to find something that you are passionate about, find something that you enjoy. And I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, um, you need to be happy. And that is something that it's not something that can be searched for. I don't think. I mean, I've been doing a lot of reading on the, from a lot of different business books, and um, well, just a, a slew of those. I can share with share all that <laughs> list with you some other time. But it's really about finding that passion, finding out what you enjoy doing, and then just going along for the ride.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's what I've been doing, and it's been a bumpy ride, but it's been mm-hmm. it's it's been a good one, as you know. How long have you had OSCOM? How long have you been doing that?
1: Interesting. I started that in 2009, back in Utah. Oh, okay. And then when I went back to school, I nearly closed the doors on it. Here's the story. So I went back to school uh, in California, UC Irvine, and uh, was poised to become the CMO of a new startup that was moving to Austin, Texas, as with every other company out of California moving to Texas. Hey, right?
0: we, we've loved the, I've been here 26 years. We love having great people move here.
1: <laughs> but maybe not the traffic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I tell people I've lived, you know, when I moved here in 91, there were 800,000 people in the greater area. There's now 2.3 million people. Oh, my and, goodness. And, and we've built one road. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. No, so I was, yeah, so I was wrapping up my MBA, poised to be a CMO for a new company that's moving to Texas. I said, great. I already closed the doors on uh, Ozcom. It, it did me well, got through what I needed to. And Two weeks before we were moving to Austin, I got a call from the investor and he says, yeah, maybe I'm not going to be putting the money in the company. And I don't know exactly what ended up happening, but I kind of had to walk away. I think they may have folded. I'm not sure if they're still running or trying to get things up and running or not. And I asked my wife, I said, okay, so do we go back home to Utah? Do we try to make it in California or do we trailblaze to Austin like we have planned? <laughs> now, keep in mind, she was seven months pregnant at the time.
0: Oh, yeah. well, of course. Who who doesn't want an adventure when you're seven yeah, months so pregnant? Sure. A, a, as a trooper, she goes, yeah, let's go. We'll, we'll move to Austin. So with a U-Haul in tow.
1: <laughs> nice. Even the Osmonds need a U-Haul in tow, people. Get that. <laughs> we we trailblazed out here to Austin and you know what we're so glad that we made the move out here we love it it's probably one of the best things that could have happened to us very difficult very difficult but so grateful for the opportunities and just it's a wonderful place to be.
0: Well, I come. I grew up in Southern California, and I uh, went to school in San Diego, met my wife in the Bay Area, and we both got offered jobs here. We were young. We were 25 and 23. In fact, we were just dating, and, and we both got offered jobs separately in different industries in Austin. And I said, wow, that's bigger than both of us. Let's go. And my then girlfriend said, are you asking me to marry you? And I said, no, I'm asking you to move to Texas for like two years. <laughs> there was a big difference. And... Uh, we, we we moved, we you know, she was a trooper. We moved to Texas and and we got engaged and we got married and we've been here it'll be 26 years this summer that, that oh, been Oh, that's so cool. And we'll celebrate our, our 25th wedding anniversary in the next couple of weeks as well. So Austin for us has turned out well, but it was a different town 26 years ago. So we I always bet, say yeah. we grew up, because we were in our mid-20s, we grew up with Austin. And I don't think I could have had the great career that I had in a big town, because I wouldn't have been able to be sort of a known entity. But mm-hmm. in a small town, I was able to develop a reputation and a brand and have a network. And then when I went out on my own, there were people there kind of who were willing to support me and give me a shot to come speak at their company meeting or refer me to the National Association of whatever. And uh, I was able to build this speaking business, and I don't know, always know if I lived anywhere else if I could have done
1: it. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I'm, I've, this is the 24th time I have moved in my life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't, but I don't plan on moving anytime soon. Austin, is, uh, it stole my heart. Well, and it's,
0: it's a good place. I, I've met very few people who've come here who haven't wanted to stay. So it sounds like, it sounds like you're a keeper.
1: Yep, so, most definitely.
0: So my last question that I ask everybody, because I think that entrepreneurs, I think we want to do more than just make money. I think entrepreneurs want to sort of you know leave their mark in the world. So I always like to ask people, what do, you, what do you do to give back to society? What do you do for the greater good?
1: I try to get rid of marketing annoying advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that might be the best answer ever. Could, could you could you work a little harder?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I will do all my. Actually, speaking of other entrepreneurs, real quick, speaking other other entrepreneurs that are doing some amazing things. There's another guy that I met here who has um, developed a browser that actually eliminates unwanted ads. Nice. And he's taking he's he's giving control back to. Uh, to the consumer and saying, okay, what kind of ads do you actually want? And allowing those rather than the incessant amounts of uh, ridiculous ads. I mean, well, look, you ask a marketer a question and you're going to get marketing answers. (laughs) I see. What's the old adage? If you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Yep, yep, absolutely. (laughs) So, no, it's, it's... pretty remarkable you know um i get really involved speaking to to that question that you asked about what i do to give out i give back um i get really involved with my community and i'm involved with the church group here and assist uh there as best as i can and then um i'm actually looking at getting involved with an, uh, an association here in helping marketers find the right types of jobs that they're looking for as well so, you know, it's not just about me trying to figure out, hey, what's the opportunity for me to make the most cash possible? It's me trying to find and make a difference in terms of marketing because I've had countless arguments of pe- with people saying, you know, marketing's horrible. You're always tell- pushing stuff on us that we don't actually want. And eh, it's kind of true uh, to a certain degree, depending on the type of marketers that you're talking to. But, you know, there's also all these things where you know, reading these stats about how much money is being spent on marketing, how act how much of it is actually effective and, and whatnot. And so I'm really trying to make a difference in the marketing world and and throw back to fifteen thousand years ago where it was storytelling, when we are telling authentic stories, driving emotion and helping people connect with the brands that they want to be connected with, rather than just saying, hey, you know, I can get you on TV and put you in front of 14 million people because they're going to see your stuff and buy it. That day, of that type of marketing has long gone. It, Like I said before, it's easy to get a million impressions. It's easy to get 10 million impressions. What's hard is actually getting people to interact with your brand and engage with your brand, whether you want them to, to follow a cause or to make a purchase or whatever. And the way we do that is by, by connecting human to human. Um, one last thought that I have on this is that during that South by panel that we had, um, we're, we're here, are up there talking about storytelling, talking about the importance of making human connections and i was following twitter because i was answering people's questions off of twitter during the q a and i i came across one and i researched it later sure enough it was it was a tweet that came from an automated uh, algorithm some ai and the quote that they pulled from our panel was a quote that I had given about turning marketing back to be human to human. And I'm like, oh, the irony. <laughs> the irony <laughs> having, that a bot just pulled that quote. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. yes the irony that I, that an artificial intelligence or a bot or whatever it was found the importance of connect, connecting was human to human. <laughs> and posted that for the world to see (laughs) that's great
0: that is absolutely fantastic well it was human to human because i was in the audience and i didn't want to be one of those i know your dad had to fly right out i didn't want to be one of those people who stormed the the stage and was sort of an osman groupie but i wrote down your name because i thought you know what he'd be a great guest on the show and and he's local here to austin and i reached out to you and i was surprised not surprised because that's probably true to your authenticness but I was pleasantly surprised that like immediately you responded and said, sure, I'll be on your show. And I always say I like people who tend to find reasons to say yes, and you were one of those people. And so you know, I, just oh, reached thanks, out, like, I just reached out the day after South by and you agreed to do this and, and we set it up for a couple weeks later. But you know, I think that was really good because I thought you did a good job of telling story and I knew that you could come and share that here with the people on the show. So, Don, thanks for being a guest.
1: Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun chatting with you and and uh, sharing my purpose and my goals and vision with regards to what we're doing with marketing and how we want to uh, how we want to approach it. So to if some
0: if somebody's listening and they say, "Okay, I've heard of Donny Osmond, but this is the first time I heard of Don," I got to find out more information about him about Ozcom. How do they yeah, find you?
1: Whatever you do, don't Google my
0: name. You'll get the other one more <laughs> than you. you will. If you just Google <laughs> Don Osmond, Donny Osmond comes up. Well,
1: I'm running into my own little branding issues right there when you've got the exact same name, right? I was just going to
0: say, you know, you have, maybe if you told a few more stories, Don.
1: Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm speaking at uh, the Small Business Festival coming up here in May here in Austin. Um, but how to how to reach out and connect. So uh, my company website is ozcom.marketing, and that's spelled with two M's, O-Z-C-O-M-M.marketing. And then all my social feeds are uh, Don Osmond. Awesome. Awesome. And don't don't Google it or you're going to find puppy love. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, you probably find that, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, well, I imagine you've been to Vegas and seen uh, your dad and your aunt on stage. I never have, because when I'm in Vegas, I have other things that I want to besides go to Donnie and Marie. But they they just I'm not going to
1: ask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's nothing bad. It's not something I can't talk about. It's just, you know, that just hasn't been like high high on my list. But, you know, my, understa- you. my <laughs> understanding is they went to do the show for like, you know, 10 weeks and they've been there for like 10 years or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually, I think
0: you're pretty darn close. So, it's been about that. So clearly they've done something right that we could all learn from in the business world.
1: Well, like I said, you know, I I, I took a little bit, uh, gleaned a little bit from my own personal life growing up in the entertainment world. And what I've done now is I've... I've uh, taking that and moved it into uh, helping tech brands mainly and also just helping other brands in general that, that need to understand the importance of telling these stories, but doing it in a way that engages their clients, their customers, so that they create brand loyalty and they see a better return on their marketing.
0: Well, Don, thank you so much for sharing all of that here on the show. Like I say, I try to bring really interesting people. I think today I fully delivered. And again, Thank you to all of you who listened because, as I said when we started, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Tell a friend. If you like the show, forward the link on to one of your friends and say, hey, I listen to this cool entrepreneur podcast. If you really like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review because when I get a new positive review, it makes my whole day better, and I would like you to, to help out with that. If you want to get involved in the community, we have a Facebook page. There's a Twitter account, at Cool Podcast. If you need a little bit of help, I have a group coaching program called The Potential Project where we have a small but mighty group who meet every Monday on a Zoom hangout call, and we share what we're trying to do as a group, and everybody pops in and gives a little bit of accountability and a lot of ideas to help people get closer to their potential because what I'm learning in the research I'm doing for the Paradox of Potential program is that potential – Doesn't equal results. You need to have some support, and that's what we try to do with the Potential Project. You can find that by going to TomSinger.com. There's a drop-down menu under About, and it says Group Coaching Program. Click there. You'll find out everything you need to know. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Don. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you to go out there and have a great day.